It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X92.9's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. It's Thursday, May 26, 2022. I'm Beckler. Shauna's still away. So all morning, uh, across the street from the studio here in the funeral home parking lot, there's this RV covered in Oilers gear. It's from a radio station up at Edmonton, and they're they're dressed up, and they're out in the street, and they're dancing, and they're whooping at traffic going by. If I'm quiet enough, you might even be able to hear their woos come through the mics here. This absolute terry wagon comes down from Edmonton. They, they come, and they park in Calgary's prestigious funeral home district. And they do this to us while we're down 3-1. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was watching Game 3 with my sons the other day, and uh, they panned to a shot of the crowd in Edmonton. And I said under my breath, Jesus, look at all those Terries. And my son Bo said, Are they all Terries, Dad? <laughs> I said, Yes, my boy. Every last one of them. We will talk a little hockey um, a little later on the show. Towards the end, just in case you don't really care about this series, then you can end early. But we have this friendly wager going on with Ryder and Lisa, who host the morning show at our sister station, Play 107 in Edmonton. They're big Oiler fans. It's not really looking good for Shauna and I here. So we'll talk to them towards the end of the podcast. Also, uh, an NHL conspiracy that a friend of the show sent me. I believe parts of this one, not the whole thing. We can get into that, though. Uh, my wife, McKenna, is back with another version of her news. going to talk about electronic music from the 90s. We'll see if you recognize any of these songs. The music my kids are listening to right now, it's horrible. I'm going to subject you to it because I've had to be subjected to it. And we'll start with a story about how profoundly I was disrespected by a tradesman who's working in my house right now. <laughs> First, you're out of context clip of the show. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Oh, man. So the funniest thing happened to me yesterday. I We're doing this reno, and I've never done tile work before. I've always been kind of intimidated by by tile work because it just seems like you could really mess it up. It seems like quite an art form, but we, we so we took down the backsplash in our kitchen and I was like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to attempt to tile this backsplash just with like cheap subway tile and see, see how it goes. So I did one wall the day before yesterday. And then yesterday we had actual professional tile setters come in to do the floor. Cause I was like, I can, if I screw up the backsplash, that's okay. I don't want the floor cracking and stuff. I want that done professionally. So these two guys are, are there, and they're, they're professional tile setters, and I went to check on how it was going with them, and I, I said, hey, when you have a minute, would you, could, could I ask you a question? And the guy, he's got a real thick Eastern European accent, this guy. So he comes over, to and I said, so I, I've never done tile before, and I, uh, I said, I did this wall yesterday, and he says, oh, very bad. And I said, really? And he said, horrible. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, I, I, I thought I did okay. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, very bad. And he's pointing out all the mistakes that I made. He just crapped on my work so hard. And I know it's not like I looked at it before and I was like, okay, this isn't perfect. Like a professional would do a way better job, but it looks passable, I think, for like a first timer. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> so what, what do I do? So he kind of showed me how to clean parts of it up where I'd made mistakes and McKenna and I were, were picking away at that. And I was like, you guys, I'll, we're going to work on this. You pretend we're not here. Keep doing your thing. And McKenna and I were just killing ourselves laughing because we would point to part of it and be like, oh, very bad. Horrible. <laughs> really? I thought I, I thought I did a decent job. No, no, you, you did not. <laughs> and eventually I talked to him and I got it out of him that he said, oh, he, he said, 
maybe one in ten people would 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 be able to spot the really bad errors here. Like a professional could tell that it wasn't done by a professional, but the average person would look at it and think it looks okay. But oh man, he can't. And the funny thing is, I think he was trying to soften the blow for me too. I think that was him being polite, was was saying that my work was very bad. Horrible. V and S in twenty minutes or less. Spare a thought for your dear friend Beckler. Uh, I've I've told you before about these YouTube channels that my kids like to watch, and they're so bad. They're all so bad. These YouTubers. Um, they're into this one channel called the Ninja Kids. If you have kids, maybe you know what I'm talking about. But it's this family from Utah. There's four kids, and they do like gymnastics and those kind of stunts and like American Ninja Warrior type stuff. And they're 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 good at that. Um, but recently. My friend, my, my kids found this this is album they put out of the Ninja Kids singing covers of popular songs, and that's all they want to listen to now. Anytime we drive anywhere, they want to hear the Ninja the Ninja Kids versions of these of these songs. And while the Ninja Kids might be good at like gymnastics, they are not good singers. I'll play you a few examples here. You know, High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Here's the Ninja Kids version. Or there's a song uh, by BB Rexa called Girl in the Mirror. I'm tired of my thoughts. They weigh me down. Feels like I'm drowning. I'm tired of my flaws. Good song, right? Not when it's sung by a YouTuber who can't sing. I'm tired of my thoughts. They weigh me down. Feels like I'm drowning. I'm tired of my flaws. They fill me with anxiety and doubt. Honestly. This is my life right now, and I thought you should have a glimpse into it. Everywhere we drive, they're like, can you play the Ninja Kids version of this? Oh, man. I, I, I blame the parents, the parents who run this YouTube channel. It's an odd thought pro- process, isn't it? They're like, our kids, okay, clearly other kids like watching our kids do gymnastics and stuff. I bet they'd also like hearing our kids who can't sing, sing popular songs. What- My life right now, and I thought you should have a glimpse into it. Everywhere we drive, they're like, can you play the Ninja Kids version of this? Oh, man. I, I, I blame the parents, the parents who run this YouTube channel. It's an odd thought pro- process, isn't it? They're like, our kids, okay, clearly other kids like watching our kids do gymnastics and stuff. I bet they'd also like hearing our kids who can't sing, sing popular songs. What if adults thought that way? You know, I really dig the latest song from Muse. I'd love to hear it sung by Richard Dawkins, who I also like. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. So I would say that music fans from our generation, assuming that we're fairly close in age, all know the big shiny tune CDs that Much Music used to put out in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like, it's it's a big piece of nostalgia now. And I think, it you know, it intro- those CDs introduced us to a lot of the music that we love. Like, I, was trying to th- I thought of... Rob Zombie's Dragula the other day. Like, that would be the only Rob Zombie song that non-Rob Zombie fans would know, and it would be because, because it appeared on one of the Big Shiny Tunes CDs. Less has been, it has been made over the years, though, about the Much Music Dance Mix CDs. Do you remember, like, the Much Dance CDs? Those were big, too. And this was back when Much Music was really influential in the dance music scene. Like, they had Electric Circus. They did Much Music video dances at the schools. I don't know if you ever had one at your school, but they'd bring the big video screen and stuff. And it was all of of this music. Well, a friend of mine posted on his Instagram the other day that he thought the best Much Dance mix was from 1995. And he posted the track listing, and I was like, man, I don't know, like, any of these songs. 
there were 18 tracks on the on that album, and there were two that I recognized. The last song was "What Is Love" by Hathaway, and I think I only know that because of uh, "Night at the Roxbury." And then the first song. Let's go through some of these and see. I'll just play really short clips. We can't do the whole album, but we'll see how many of these you remember. Even if you don't remember the the artist and the title and everything, just see if you remember the song because I did very poorly. So this one I remember. This is Saturday Night by Wigfield. How about this one? Sound familiar? Nope, didn't get that one. Nope, over uh, one for three for me. Nope. Like, none of these songs have really stood the test of time, have they? I have a theory as to why that is. Like, the production on these songs is all exactly the same, right? Like, it's very tight, very digital sounding, and then it's got a big female vocal over top, and it sounds very 90s. Whereas, like, you know, alternative music or, you know, the music that was on the Big Shiny Tunes records, it sounds as good now as it, as it did then. But, like, dance music has really changed since this time. I know that song, but not that version of it. Uh, I'm just doing terribly here. It's almost the same song over and over again. How are you doing? Do you recognize any of these? So I guess I was six years old when this came out in 1995, and I wasn't a huge club guy back then. Wasn't going to a lot of clubs, but uh, I can tell you what I'm going to be listening to during my workout today. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. So for dance mix, it was 94 or 96, 95 kind of stuff. Really? And this guy did a poll yeah. on his Instagram, and everybody thought it was 95. Nah, man. 94 had more bangers. It had, like, uh, I like to move it, or I think that might have been 96, but I hate to say it. I used to listen to those, and 95 I didn't buy. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna, I want to try to find the track listing here to see if I can recognize any of the songs. 94 um, and 96, I think you'll recognize maybe more, but you're, you were also a young buck at the time. I was. I was a little older. I was, like, 13 at the time, so. I had 99, and that's when I started to, like, I recognized all the songs on 99. Um, yeah, but big... Big Shiny Tunes was a, a staple. Like yeah. Every year that that came out, it, it you had to buy it, right? Like you weren't you weren't part of the in crowd if you didn't <laughs> buy it. And those songs have have like largely survived, haven't they? Absolutely. You still hear them today on the radio. Yeah. Some of them are retail rock, but um, yep, absolutely. But like none of these dance songs survived just because it sounds so of the time. They, some of them they still play in the clubs. Do they? Like, Oh yeah. When you go, um, I think the wife went to one of the back alley when the back alley reopened <laughs> and she said it was, it was just like back in the nineties, all of a sudden they'd be playing rock and you know, Pantera, then rage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden dance music, man, like, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I missed that time. Cause it seemed like it would have been a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And that was before everybody was like drugging themselves and stuff. So you'd go and you just drink and you have a good time. Yeah. And like so. no social media, like you kind of still no. kind of act like a crazy person and not ruin yeah. your life over and nobody it. Nobody knew and... unless they called you. Yeah. Right? Like it's like, Hey, where are we going? Oh, I don't know. Meet me here. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> a beautiful time, man. 
It, it was a good time, yeah. DNS in 20 minutes or less. Yesterday, uh, our music Matt, our music director, Matt Berry, joined me on the show. We were talking about the best live bands, or bands that could be in, in contention for the title of best live band ever. We were talking about, you know, the big, big bands that have done huge tours, and it's a big spectacle. But then uh, Matt said this. I love a lot of bands where it's like, that was an amazing, like, say, like, Dan Mangan just played a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Bella Concert Hall, and that would be up there as one of the best live shows I've seen. Like, sounded incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his banter was, like, fun and thoughtful, but, like, not overbearing. Nice little stories about things, like, quick in and out. Yeah. And, like, the whole crowd singing along. It's That's just so beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Like, like, it sounds amazing. So it's like, just because there isn't a spectacle doesn't mean it can't be one of the best live shows you've ever seen. You can hear that full conversation on yesterday's BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast, but uh, I thought it was an interesting point that, yeah, a show doesn't have to be a huge spectacle to be an, an excellent show. Like, it's sometimes a very intimate show can also be very special. And it reminded me of a story of one of the most intimate shows I've, I've, I've ever heard of. I wasn't at it, but a friend of mine who was a huge fan of Ben Harper... And he said, Ben Harper shows are, are something different because it's so intimate and it's so like there's such a connection between Ben and the audience. And he, he said that like Ben will play a song. This was in Calgary and I think it was at the Jube. He said, Ben will play a song and then everybody claps politely at the end. And then they're just they're quiet and respectful until, you know, Ben either talks or launches into the next song. And he said in one of these lulls in between the applause and, you know, Ben tuning his guitar to start the next song, he just heard a quiet voice from somewhere in the audience say, Thank you, Ben. <laughs> and everybody else, mm, yeah. Thank you for sharing your gift with us, Ben Harper. This is beautiful. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I got a message from a friend of the show, Chris, who said he saw a city in color in Banff a few years ago. And at one point between songs, this girl yelled to, to Dallas Green, Your dad's my orthodontist. And Dallas stopped what he was doing, and he's like, Well, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard on stage. But my dad isn't an orthodontist. <laughs> Which sort of suggests that there is some orthodontist out there who's just lying to people about being Dallas Green's dad? That's so odd. Or this girl just made it up. That's even funnier. But I, I think the concept of this like rogue orthodontist is he's in your mouth and he's like, you know, you might have heard of my son Dallas. He's quite a successful alternative musician here in Canada. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. When you were growing up, did you and your friends ever participate in, in bush pushing? <laughs> I feel like maybe me and Sean have talked about this on the air in the past, but a bush push is when you push your friend into a bush and they can't get out. And it's so funny. It's so funny, or at least it was when we were young. I haven't bush pushed anyone in in 20 years, but man, was it fun when we were growing up. So anyway, the other day, um, my, my youngest son, Brigham, who's five, Said to my wife, McKenna, he's like, get me a tweet or I'm going to bush push you. <laughs> and I should have chastised him for speaking to his mom like that, but I was laughing too hard. Like, you're going to bush push your mom? You're five. Like, <laughs> there was a time well, when I was, uh, how old would I have been? Maybe 12 or 13. And uh, I bush pushed my friend. It's funny when you when you when you push someone to a bush. We, we walked everywhere then, and and like you always had to have your head up because if you walked past a bush and you weren't paying attention, you were liable to end up in that bush. And there's, you can't get out because there's nothing to push off of behind you. The branches like you, they don't support your weight, <laughs> so you can't get out. 
But we were walking somewhere, and I, I got my friend with a good bush push, and then he got out, and he chased me, and he put me in a headlock. And a police car came and pulled up on the sidewalk to break it up, thought we were actually fighting. And this police officer was fired up. Like, he was ready to go. He was like, hey, break it up. And we're like, ah. I was like, we're friends. It's okay. And he looked at my buddy. He's like, is that true? My friend's like, yeah. He's like, who told you to talk? I'm like, ah, you did. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. McKenna's. X92.9 News. All right. I'm going to read this word for word. Hi, guys. It's me. For once on this program, I promise you I will not talk about anything Bachelor related. Just this once, though, so enjoy. Do you guys want to know what Justin Bieber eats for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Usually, if he has a big show later that night, he will want a large portion wholesome breakfast so that he has a lot of energy. He also is a big fan of his morning coffee. I can't really relate to that because I much prefer an afternoon coffee myself and maybe like a green tea in the morning, but each to their own. Next for lunch, he will have something like a mashed avocado on toast, and then for supper, his favorite meal to have is a pasta with bolognese sauce. Mmm, I like that too. His next show is at the end of July in Italy. I'd really like to go. Maybe we could discuss that when you get home from work. (laughs) The 20 hottest summer nail trends are no surprise this year. Neon always comes back around, and this summer is no exception. Neon looks better with a tan, so I totally agree. Instead of a neon orange, maybe try a fluorescent pink or a sunshine yellow. And finally, forecasters call for three to six major hurricanes in the Atlantic this season. It's always like an attempt at a real news story right at the end, and that was a, a fairly weak one, I would say. But now you're informed, I guess. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Welcome to Conspiracy Corner, your platform for outlandish conspiracy theories, and you can decide how outlandish you think today's is. I got a message from friend of the show, Daniel. Uh, and here, this is a version of, I would say, the granddaddy of all sports conspiracy theories. But I'll just read you Daniel's message. He said, The playoffs are rigged. Hear me out. Game seven is unnaturally common. So what's the reason? Money, obviously. Look how much money is made and spent during the playoffs in each city, which is absolutely true. An absurd amount. Why would you want that cash flow to end in a clean sweep when you could drag it out for another week? I feel very strongly that the match is already decided before the puck hits the ice. The players play their roles, and oops, a bad pass, or oops, a fight, a penalty. Very similar to pro wrestling. Players all make millions a year, so of course they are happy to take the fall if it means getting paid. Whoa. Now, we got to kind of take this piece by piece because like I said the the big conspiracy in in all of sports is whether or not like leagues referees whether they 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 put their finger on the scale to achieve a desirable or a profitable outcome in terms of how the playoffs play out how seasons play out so I guess it depends where you fall in, in the, the spectrum of belief for that one I think that like you know we, we know for example that game management happens within hockey games that you know referees call penalties differently based on what's happening in the game. And the closest we ever came to like solid proof of that was a few years back when Tim Peel, who's an NHL referee, was caught on a hot mic saying that it wasn't much of a penalty, but he wanted to give Nashville one early on. And he was then removed from playoff games, um, and fans were like, well, this is the smoking gun that the league is is actively trying to influence the way the games go. I also, I don't even rule out the conspiracies. You know, there, there's a big conspiracy that... Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the draft lottery the year that Crosby was up for grabs because they had built a new building and they were in trouble of you know, losing the franchise. And then all of a sudden they get this 
you know, this highly touted prospect that completely turns things around for them and then they have success going forward. There's even a theory like that about the Edmonton Oilers. You know, that they got they won all those draft lotteries, including the McDavid lottery, because, you know, the city had forked over so much money for a new building. And I'm that's at least within the realm of possibility. You lose me in the conspiracy when you start talking about like the players being involved in it too, because there's just too many any conspiracy falls apart when the number of people involved to keep it quiet grows too large. So there have been 7,623 7, players to ever play in the NHL. Add on to that coaches, refs, management, you know, league personnel, and you're telling me that not one of those people has ever come out and said, yes, we, we, we definitely threw games, or we, you know, we wanted this, this outcome, so we played like that. I just don't, I don't believe that. I do think the league wants certain outcomes. I think they want certain teams, certain markets to go deep into the playoffs. And, you know, maybe there are instances where they do bend the rules a little bit. You know, like Vegas wins the cup their what, second year in the league, first year in the league. So things like that, you know, successful expansion franchise. But to think that the players are involved in it, I, I can't go that far. How about you? How many frozen envelopes out of 10 on the plausibility scale does this get? I'm going to give it like 13 just because it is a very broad conspiracy theory and there are parts that I believe and parts that I don't. I thought that was very thought-provoking about, especially what he said about like game seven, but I always thought that it had more to do with like psychology and like performance anxiety and pressure with the players, right? Like I think that's probably the either, more likely explanation. Yeah, if they I'm, either rise to the occasion or they crack under the pressure, right? Yep, yep. Absolutely. Right. Like, like that was because I lived in Vancouver when the Canucks were in Game Seven with the Bruins, right? Yep. When they had that big riot, yeah. and like that was classic Lou. Like he f- cracked under the pressure, right? Like he was always really good first playoff game, and then just f- shit the bed. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've heard people say that you know at that level, everybody is so talented that the the difference comes down to like mental tenacity. You know, it's mm, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, if you were, were to apply Occam's razor to this theory, it's probably more likely, like you said, that it's, that it's mental toughness and performance anxiety as opposed to, like, a grand conspiracy. Yeah, that's what takes us to Game 7. Because we, we see those teams, they play really good for the first three games, and then they're like, they just get tired, right? Like, yeah, or you get complacent, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, we got this. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Game 5 in the Battle of Alberta tonight, and we have this friendly wager going on, Shauna and I, with uh, our sister station up in Edmonton, Play 107. The morning show there is hosted by Ryder and Lisa, who are friends of ours, and Oiler fans, unfortunately. Um, and I, I, I guess the initial terms of the bet, if there was a sweep, there was a tattoo involved, but that's not going to happen. So they're on the floor right now. Ryder, what is the rest of the, the, the bet? Because I was, I was away when this was made. So it was uh, the losing show has to send somebody to the winner's city yeah. uh, to hold a sign for an entire show promoting <laughs> the winner's city's show. <sighs> God, that sucks so much. I like, and I, when we made this bet, I was like, "Oh, well, it's going to be them." So, like, it doesn't even matter what the the circumstances of the bet are. And here, and here we are. Now we're <laughs> sitting at three uh, one. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this series could go any way. Still, I'm not dumb enough to think Calgary's not going to put up a fight in the Battle of Alberta. So, I'm not guaranteeing anything at this point. Did we decide who's going? If who goes, who's going from you guys? 
Well, we did decide. I like that you're saying that now. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going. I sacrificed the tattoo bed. If it would have been a, if it would have been a sweep, I was going to get the tattoo. Right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, in that instant, in that case, I'm probably going to have to come up the night before. Yeah, you and, can't stay at the house though. Okay. Sleep outside. Oh, can I tent in your backyard? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, we would let that fly. From your guys' perspective, has this series been enjoyable to watch? Yes and no. Like, I feel like I have very high blood pressure now, (laughs) but it's been awesome. Like, I haven't had any fun at all other than game one. I was at game one, and since then it's just been like... Like, my bum is clenched the entire time the Mm -hmm. McDavid line is on the ice, and it doesn't unclench until he's off. So you enjoy watching him do his thing like no not at all no (laughs) i hate it actually it's i mean he's no austin matthews he's a great player he's no austin matthews okay an actual genuine question do you like are you proud to have a player like kachuk or does he kind of embarrass you because he's such a dick any any rat when he's on your team is great i'm i'm primarily a boston bruins fan so like i love brad marchand were he not on my team i would hate him Right. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's kind of the same thing with Kachuk. Um, no, and back to your question, I am not really enjoying this series either. I, uh, I I want the Flames to lose more than I want the Oilers to win, so yeah. I just got way too much skin in the game. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Like, I I don't know. It, it, it feels like the Oilers have consistently outplayed the Flames since game one, so maybe that's why it's no fun either. Well, let's just agree that we'll win it tonight then, and we can be done with this. You've been listening to the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS in 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.